Welcome back to Rhythms of Grace. We are in season six that Sung has affectionately called Shift Happens. I remember the F. Yeah. yeah. You got you to <laughs> enunciate clearly. But I'm here. I'm Nate, um, pig farmer extraordinaire. <laughs> uh, I'm here with Sung, who's the lead pastor of Grace Church. And Christine, how, Anderson, what is your, what is your title? Uh, student ministry pastor. Okay. Student ministry pastor. Um, Sung's trying to find a button. Oh. There we go. Something I, something, I like the buttons. There. He keeps reaching across and hitting yeah. the buttons. Uh, so we're talking about transitions. Um, and, we, you know, last uh, last episode, we talked about some of our personal transitions um, over the past couple months. We're going to get a little bit more theoretical. Uh, where are we going today? Yeah, so this is uh, loosely based on a book called Life is in the Transitions by a guy named Bruce Feiler. And he's written a number of other books. And I will say we will bring other concepts and ideas from other sources, but we're going to loosely use this as a framework Um and uh, we're, we're, so I'll say this too. Uh, if this sounds interesting, th- this always happens to Amy. I- I'll tell her about a book or a movie and, and afterwards she'll go either read it or watch it. And she's like, yeah, I, I shouldn't have read it. You told me all the best parts. Yeah. <laughs> so either maybe this will pique your curiosity. You might want to pick up the book or uh, if you're not a reader, yeah, just listen to the next couple episodes and we'll talk through some of these ideas. Cool. So uh, one of the things that was really intriguing in this book is he talks about how uh, back uh, in ancient times, they used to view life in a circle, you know, like cyclical seasons come and go and circle of life, circle of life. And then interestingly, uh, and he's Jewish, he says, with, uh, at the onset of Christianity, it took a more linear approach mm. of time. You know, here's the beginning of time, and it's going towards a certain end. Um, and then you have a, uh, B.C., uh, A.D., all that. Um, but then he talks about this idea of, well, life, if you really look at it, is that, that might be true of history or time, but life is not linear. Mm. That... Uh, we may expect life to be a certain sequence of events or life stages, but that's not how life really goes. It's right. really messy. Yep. And sometimes there are disruptors that happen that threw you, throw you for a loop. And if you think that your life should be linear, uh, you're going to have to go to a lot of therapy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, it, yeah. but if you embrace the non-linearity of life, like how, how that places you in a better place of health yeah. and to really engage life and the unpredictability of it. And he talks about like, there are some transitions that are voluntary. Yes. I choose to take this job and move to this different city. That mm-hmm. is a conscious choice that I'm making. But the, uh, what I want to focus on is the other side, which is involuntary transitions. Um, your spouse dies Mm -hmm. your kid gets cancer well you get fired right like these are involuntary transitions and he he uses this word life quakes which is you know obviously life and earthquakes Mm -hmm. and just says yeah by the time you're like an adult in your 40s and 50s you you would have gone through like three to five major life quakes Mm -hmm. so before we get any further i want to i want to take a second just to sort of talk about an idea that we we touched on last episode and we also talked about offline, which is the difference between change and transition. Mm-hmm. Because in some ways, the circumstances that you're talking about are what 
um, some authors would describe as changes. They yep. happen quickly. They're circumstantial. Um, but transitions are sort of the internal workings of how you feel and how you process and the rhythms and mm. habits that you develop. And that those two things um, like are not the same. Right. And uh, I think I, I think of that, especially when you think about even the sort of proactive changes that people make, they will often find their emotional state and their mental state in some ways misaligned. I got my dream job. Why aren't I happy? Right. I got yeah. married. Why don't I feel like I'm in love with my, with my, you know, husband or wife? Um, I had a baby. Why don't I, you know, why am I mm. bitter, <laughs> you know, or frustrated? And so, but those misalignments are really a part of the way that this entire setup works because changes happen quickly. And even if you choose them, uh, the, your brain and body and emotions takes time yeah. to sort of catch up again. And it's interesting to think about them separately, right? Because it's like maybe change, there there are voluntary good changes and there are involuntary or, or bad changes. Um, but transition can look the same in both. Mm-hmm. Like transition can look the same in a voluntary change and an involuntary yep, change. Right. Yep. Yeah, because how many people have we talked to, even at Grace, who've moved to different cities and say, oh, this is great. And then six months later, when you talk to them, what yeah. do they say? Oh, yeah. It's like, what am I doing? Yeah. Like, why did I, what What happened? Yeah. You know, this is awful. I, I was actually thinking, literally, as you were describing some of those things, there were people's faces that were coming <laughs> into my mind who I've talked to, yeah. who, and again, Ann Arbor is an extremely transitory city. Yeah. Um, and so we've all known lots of people that have come and gone and many of them have left for their dream job in another city or another state. And inevitably mm-hmm. three to six months later, I get a call where somebody's like, this is, can we talk? I thought that this was what I wanted mm-hmm. and I hate it here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's exactly what I thought of as you were talking about it. Um, what's interesting as, as we're talking about those kind of transitions, I made me think of, you know, I, I've moved many times in my life, uh, dozens and dozens of times. Um, and I'm not that old. Um, so right. That's like once a year if I'm doing the math pretty much. Yeah. It's, it's pretty much once a year for my entire life. Uh, yeah. And so it's, it's been interesting when it's a big move, like to a different city or state. Um, I, I have like discovered in myself whether it's voluntary or involuntary like there's like a three-month like pattern Hmm. that my body it's like okay month one I'm all energy I'm all excitement and I'm Mm -hmm. all positivity and then month two I'm like oh you know I'm starting to see like those hard things and then for the third month I'm just gonna be crying Hmm. like I'm just gonna it's hard and it's and it's just interesting how yeah whether I'm choosing it or not whether I'm excited about it or not like the the transition Mm-hmm. that goes along with the, the, the positive or negative change feels the same. I was just reading a, a snippet on, I, I don't know, some social media where they were talking about starting a new job. Mm-hmm. And they said basically that it takes you um, like three months to fully learn a new job. And so they said month two, and for you it's month three, is mm-hmm. the hardest because you the like honeymoon phase has worn off. You still don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so it basically just sucks. Yep. And so that you're kind of saying that, that that's been your experience as well Yeah. in, in moving to a new city. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. So as you take this as uh, the structure and the title and the role of 
student ministries changes, we're going to have to check in with you around November. Yes, exactly. And just <laughs> let you cry on the yeah. show. Lean in hard. Yeah. 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 Okay. I think I remember having that conversation with you when you started at mm, Grace, mm-hmm. right around that same time. Yeah. I think probably that lines up. Yeah. And I, and I, again, I know it about myself. Yeah. So I can speak truth into myself yeah. of like, oh, this is a transition and I'm, I'm going to be miserable this month. Mm. Next month will be better. Man, that is so good to remember. <laughs> yeah. So good to remember. So change transitions. Yeah. So that means, you know, life is like just a series of loops and Mm -hmm. spirals and wobbles and twists and turns and, you know, turnabouts. And I, I think just to impress to our listeners, like if your life feels chaotic like that, Mm -hmm. like that is normal Mm -hmm. and whatever you think other people's lives are like, all sequential, all their ducks in a row. Right. That is not the case. So um, I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole, but I think it's interesting where as social media sort of lays out everybody's highlights of their life, in some ways I think that reinforces the mindset that life has a way that it should go Mm -hmm. and that each of those steps should look like this. And that's, I mean, everybody knows that Instagram is full of filters, but it's like life filters too, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You know, people are saying, oh, this is great. And then two months later, you know, you realize that that wasn't great for them at all, but that's Mm -hmm. still what they said. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or taking it, you know, a step further thinking about my students or, or, you know, my generation, Gen Z, it's like, as, as we're looking at TikTok, for instance, you, you start following someone and then, you know, they gain followers and then they get the little blue check next to their name and then they get a sponsorship. And so, you know, you start your TikTok account Mm -hmm. and you get a bunch of followers and you lose a bunch of followers. And it feels like, what the heck? (laughs) Like there's this, there's, there's steps and I've seen it happen. Um, but I, I appreciate, I think it was Stephen King and his like you know, autobiography slash memoir to writers. He always says, every draft isn't better than the last. That's mm. the most, the most important thing isn't to be like the, the next draft is going to be better. It's keep writing drafts. Mm. Um, and it's okay if the next one feels like it takes you back a step. And I remember reading that and thinking, I, I, I feel that in my life, right? Like I should always be a better person tomorrow than I was today. Yeah. I should always be moving forward, more followers, more, you know, like more kindness, more generosity. Um, but the wisdom of Stephen King is. Mm. Which, by the way, my daughter loves that book mm-hmm. as an aspiring writer. We've talked, to, we've talked <laughs> okay. about it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so where, where else do you think people are getting this mindset that there is like a right way to do things or a certain way that life should be? shaking out like where is that coming from i think part of it is just comparing yourself to your peers as well Mm -hmm. you know there's a sense of like well all my friends are getting married what's wrong with me Mm -hmm. right yeah totally no that's that's absolutely right in fact i've heard that that people we always have a tendency to compare ourselves up Mm -hmm. and never down right like you're never you're never like looking at someone who's doing much worse than you (laughs) and and being like oh i guess i'm doing fine like we don't really do that we always look at the person who has more followers or mm-hmm. bigger sponsors or, you know, a bigger farm or whatever. And it's kind of <laughs> saying like, oh. Is that, that your fantasy? I mean, I don't know what I would do with it, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> we all have our own dreams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think even, again, English major, like he, the hero's journey, right? It's mm. like 
um yeah it moves in a circle and it's on the chart but like you know we we learn in english class there's the little like upside down check mark where we're like you're supposed to go up the hill mm. then there's the climax and every step is leading you closer to that and then the denouement um and and so like we're, we're almost taught in in school your life is supposed to follow this line where everything is leading towards something and if mm. you don't know what that something mm-hmm. is or that something changes then then what so are you doing? You've done something wrong. You've done something yeah. wrong. Yeah. I mean, that's why the Lord of the Rings, right? Not all the, not all who are lost. No, no. Not all, all who wander. Yes. Right. Lost. Yeah. So, um, right. But even, even in the hero's journey, there is the necessity of conflict, mm-hmm. right? You, you may set, set out on a journey, but without the conflict, there's no movie. There's no story. Yeah. yeah. And so I think this is where the transitions and disruptors come in, right? Like an event or experience that just throws and interrupts your everyday routine or uh, the flow of your life, mm-hmm. right? And um, they have that one scale. It's not a Richter scale, but some sort of scale where the, the level of stress that certain life uh, experiences or mm-hmm. transitions. Yeah. yeah. And like death mm-hmm. of a spouse is like a hundred. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I don't know, something else is like a two. Uh, but, but I want to explore if I were to name five different areas, I want us to reflect on a personal level. And again, this is just to bring some more personal uh, stories to this and not just ideas and concepts, but um you know, in the book, Life is in the Transitions, Bruce Feiler talks about five major areas of disruptors. And one of them is love. And I'll just name a few of these. And if, as I read this off, if you could just maybe think of um, sharing a story from your own life um, in one of these areas. So there's love. So it's, um, Gosh, there's a lot here. Uh, Ill- <laughs> getting married, illness of a child or a child with special needs, uh, child leaving home. Let me just pause there while I cry a little there. <laughs> uh, childhood sexual trauma, domestic violence, divorce of parents, death of a partner, caring for aging parents or addiction of a loved one, suicide. Are these all are these all involuntary or were there some there that were voluntary? No, th- th- this is but this is voluntary and, and involuntary. involuntary. Okay. But but just the idea of, um, yeah, we we kind of slid off the track of talking about involuntary, and we'll, we'll get there. We'll end yeah, there. Yeah. But in terms of just smaller disruptors in your life, mm-hmm. um, yeah, any stories or thoughts coming out of that area of and, and just as a, as a backdrop to the story, this guy when he wrote this book, interviewed hundreds of people across the United States and collected their stories and asked them them just to share their life story. And in them, he collected like all these uh, disruptors and he categorized them in so many different areas. Mm. And, and then he took all those 90, whatever uh, disruptors and put them in these five broad categories. And so we're just kind of spouting off some of these things and just kind of, yeah, how, how that, how has, how have these disruptors entered your life? Yeah, well, I know that you just sent your daughter to college, and my daughter is the same age, but she's doing a gap year. But we did say goodbye to her. We sent her off over the summer to Honduras, and right now she's in New York. Um, And she is a very quiet, uh, unassuming, sort of peaceful person. And not that that her siblings aren't uh, quiet and peaceful in their own ways, but, but... she can sort of get lost in the shuffle sometimes because mm-hmm. her siblings have oversized personalities. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so in the sort of makeup of our family, I wasn't aware of what a critical role she played in sort of keeping mm. everything functioning in a way that was the way we wanted it to because mm. she kind of does it quietly and she does mm. it sort of unassumingly and she does it in these moments when you're not necessarily watching like realizing that she started this she started this habit with her younger sister because they share a room where before bed she would start asking is there any any way that I've wronged you today that I need to ask for wow. your forgiveness and they would mm. s- have this exchange and that would sort of open up their discussion about their day you know what I mean like yeah. that's that's profound yeah and when that's like I didn't ever see that happening but I certainly saw the fruit of it and then when that's gone mm. now her sister is out of control no she's not <laughs> <laughs> but but her sister felt that you mm-hmm. know it's just this small thing that sort of made our life function in a certain way and when suddenly it's gone and it's like oh my goodness like there's a lot more emotional processing that her that you know her mom and I are are uh, responsible for now, and that's not a bad thing. It just is different. It's different than it was three months ago. Anything in that area in love and relationships? Yeah, I mean, well, so the the one on the list that that stood out to me that I've talked about on this podcast before is domestic violence mm-hmm. and domestic abuse, um, and and just how that experience, you know, first of all, it. Um, maybe like the the death of a spouse or, or others on this list, it, it shifts how you view love, right? Mm. Um, and uh. so it can it can, it's like a transition of um, reorienting your your view on on love and and life. Say more about that. Um, yeah, so I guess um, it, it 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 almost it, it's like a it's a little bit cyclical where um, like being in in that relationship, um, you know, it it impacted what I thought love looked like and, and what I thought love, uh, what, what I deserved in love. Mm. And so there was this like adaptation period where I was learning that and then living into that and then coming out of it, you know, you're coming back and having to then unlearn those lessons wow. so that the transition out of that is, is almost as hard, right? Yeah. Oh, sure. The change net positive right. out of that relationship, but the transition was really hard having to unlearn what love looked like and what what I deserved in love mm-hmm. um, after abusive relationships. So. And even to note in that, transitions can take years yeah. and decades. You know, I the one one person who I know who um, was sexually abused as a young girl got married and like the um, the wedding night, like when her husband touched her, she had this like visceral reaction mm-hmm. where it was just like, crawl into a fetal position and like at that moment it was just like i don't know why yeah right um and so and and then that that's where some of the inner work of transition Mm -hmm. actually start to happen yeah Mm -hmm. and so it's not like you consciously say oh i'm i'm going through this transition i'm going to work on this because and this is true not just in love but in so many areas you realize oh yeah this is this is these are the habits and outlooks that I picked up growing up or from this person or that person. And that was 20 years ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's been my experience and this is just like very loose rule of thumb, but that like the, the disorientation and reorientation phases take at least the same amount of time. Yeah. You know, like, and that can be hard when you've been living into something for 20 years. So for example, in, in your case, Christine, you know, if we talk about 
uh, domestic abuse, that happens, but then you sort of live in that reality for a number of years afterwards, even if the the circumstance is different. And so the transition out of that to a new way of being, it's Mm -hmm. like, that isn't going to happen overnight. That's going to take years (laughs) again to reestablish new patterns and new concepts of self and new, you know, patterns of self-talk and all those things. It takes about at least the the same amount of time, you know? And I can sort of beat myself up when I don't like get myself together right away. It's mm-hmm. like, ah, that's, you know, the circumstance is different. I shouldn't feel X, Y, or Z, but it's like, no, the transition takes a while. Yeah. It takes a while. I was actually just talking about that this, this week I started having like the nightmares again, which happens from time to time. Uh-huh. And I remember having that exact conversation with Jillian of like, you know, you think, you think transition should you know, for me, I have with moving, it should have just taken the same amount as, as that, the three months and then the fourth, <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. Um, and just being reminded that yeah, transition, you know, it, it continues that life is in the transition. Yeah. So, yeah. How about in the area? Th- these are two topics being combined together, but identity and beliefs. So under identity, it could be like a change in Uh, living situation it could be change in sexual or gender practices or identity major changes in finances uh, homelessness public humiliation imprisonment is there something that we don't know about you nate i have never (laughs) been in prison uh yeah i i i it feels like more than just identity uh but anyways that's that's how he defines it And, and then beliefs uh, which is could be ending and beginning school or political social awakening, personal calling, change in religion or religion observers, uh, religious observances. Uh, it could be anything from extended personal travel to change in community. Mm-hmm. So identity and beliefs, mm-hmm. transitions, disruptors. The thing that comes to mind first for me is, you know, I came out of a, a season recently of, of like health troubles and I think, you know, that seems like maybe it wouldn't fit either of those. But um, in in that change of being weaker than I used to be and being less like mentally a- acute uh, because of just, yeah, my unhealth and my pain, um, my identity shifted, right? Because mm-hmm. I had built so much of my identity on being able to do all the things all the time, always, you know, working the hardest and loving the most um, and realizing like, that that identity was was knocked um, down, yeah. um, which then changed my beliefs, right? Because then all of a sudden, um, if if I if I can't build my identity on my own foundation, I have to build it on something else. Mm. I have to I have to build my identity on Christ, mm. um, which I could I I would have said I believed right prior yeah. to that, yeah. obviously. Oh sure. Um, but but there's a difference between between believing it and and being forced to live it. Yeah. You know, I've actually had a similar experience, um, but for me, it has more to do with aging. Mm. Um, I've always been relatively healthy and relatively active. And I've just noticed, you know, in the past couple years that I just can't go at the same pace that I used to. And I used Mm -hmm. to take a lot of pride in being like, I don't need a lot of sleep. Like I can outwork anybody. And that's just not true anymore. Mm. You know, if if I put in a really long day, the next day I will absolutely be at like 50% capacity Mm -hmm. and that it was never used to be the case, you know? Um, and so again, that like that for me is a shift in like, okay, so if I'm not defined by how hard and long I can work, 
what is it going to be? Because I'll be honest, I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> like surprise. It, it has really made me think like, what, how am I going to do? De- this has been the question I've asked myself. How am I going to deal with being 70, mm. for example, and being unable to do the things that I used to do mm. that like, that's going to happen. I mean, it's going to yeah. happen to all of us. I sort of am feeling it because for a long time, my body would acclimate to physical work over the course of two or three days. If I was doing something new, two or three days in, whether it was I started splitting wood or something, two or three days in, my body would be like, oh, this is what we're doing? Great, and just roll with it. That does not happen anymore. <laughs> I never, I mean, I shouldn't say I never reach a point, but it takes a couple of weeks before it's kind of like, okay, I could do this for an extended period of time without mm-hmm. killing myself. So just thinking like, man, what is old age going to mean for me? Yeah. I have to, like you were saying, Christine, have a different identity than just like, what am I physically capable of? Or how long and hard can I work? Or what can I accomplish in any given day? That is, that, that has me like worried. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, like it's one of those things just like, I got to get this sorted out. Yeah. Um, So. Remind me of a meme that I, I just pulled up. It says age 12, fell off of bike at high velocity onto gravel road, bike to five miles home. (laughs) <laughs> age 43 are you trying to guess my age yes. <laughs> i'm 45 45 age 45 used wrong pillow back was non-functional Dude, for two days that happens <laughs> like if i sleep on my stomach i i'm screwed man i am screwed <laughs> Oh, goodness. I did get one of those for my birthday this year. I got one of those uh, therapy guns. You know, those things that are like, they're like, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they pound. That has changed my life. <laughs> wow. It really has. Yeah. So, but I actually need like to do physical therapy on myself every day <laughs> in order to keep functioning. Well, I mean, well, and body and health is another area. And so we, we kind of touched it on this. And I will say too, and I've shared this story at, at church too, but like I threw out my back this summer and that was because I was exercising with my son and we were just like lifting weights to, to, to failure, right? right? And I realized, yeah, I'm not 15 like my son is. And while I could do more reps, oh my goodness. And uh, He'll be fine the next morning. He, he <laughs> was. I was like, are you sore? He's like, no. And I'm I like, know. yeah. Well, and, and, and a couple of days in, I'm like, oh yeah, I, I'm just a little sore, but that's just from, you know, working out. Yeah. And then five days out, I'm like, oh no, this is more than just being sore. And it, it took six weeks to recover. Wow. Oh, man. And, I mean, to fully recover. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. Yeah. That, that uh, falling off the bike thing. Yeah. No, no way. Right. Like I used to like roll and bounce and now I sort of just land like a sack of potatoes you know <laughs> like I, I was pulling a weed I was pulling a weed out before I came here this year and I was like it was one of those things where it was like I it was not coming and I was like mm-hmm. I'm gonna get you you son of a gun and so I just pulled and pulled and pulled and all of a sudden it popped loose and I was like <laughs> I had no control of my body and I was like <laughs> like a jello thing and just land on the driveway you know things to look forward to Christine yeah, I was gonna oh, say yeah. you guys are making me feel nervous I'm, I'm <laughs> still on the bounce back phase <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I will say though too. Uh, speaking of age, um, there there is a wisdom and a centeredness that comes with age. That man it is more valuable than that yeah. physical mm-hmm. 
I mean, yes, that actually has been one of the things that I have found I had to learn, yeah. which is that I have to think, I have, I for my entire life, and I've always joked about it, and my whole family jokes about it, but I'm a harder, not smarter kind of guy. <laughs> you know, people always, work smarter, not harder. I am 100% <laughs> work harder, not smarter. I'm like, this is going to suck. We're just going to carry all of these things up the stairs one by one. You know, like that's just been my way. And I have literally had to change my way of thinking because I can't just work harder anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, so that, that's been good, right? Like you do have to think about what is a better way to do this? Who can I ask to help me, which I hate, uh, but who can I ask to help me? How can I do this in a way that's going to preserve my health and, and, you know, bodily safety? Yeah. 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 One thing that I could think of in terms of beliefs, more beliefs, what identity as well too, but over, and this is just more, um, maybe my upbringing and theological beliefs too, but over time, I mean, I, uh, from the time I became a Christian, you're formed in a certain theological or, uh, framework mm-hmm. and you're taught a certain thing. And over the years, uh, hopefully this is true of our listeners, like, yeah, like the nuances and, and that changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, you know, I used to believe this, oh no, actually, and it's not like, oh, I don't believe that, but it's shifted or the, the, the shades yep. have changed. Yep. And I think that's a healthy thing, you, you know, so I grew up in a pretty strict Presbyterian, black, white kind of external behavior thing. And over time, you you know, and wisdom and growth, it's like, yeah, you know, like, I, it's not that I don't believe in black and white, there certainly is black and white, but the world is a lot more gray. Yeah. And we've talked about that in yeah. previous seasons. Yeah. And it's always interesting when people come to grace and they've, and again, they've grown up in a certain tradition and they're like, what? Like, mm-hmm. you don't think this is black and white? Mm-hmm you know, drinking or this or that. And, and it's, and I, I love seeing, especially if they're willing to take that journey mm-hmm. to go transcend beyond yeah. like, okay, th- that's, th- that's a, that's where you're at now. Let's, let's keep walking this journey. Yeah. Well, I think, I think sometimes people feel that, that changing your beliefs is a failure of some sort, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Uh, it can be hard to be like, well, I must've been wrong for the whole rest of my right. life. But again, that's sort of the way it goes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then identity for me, the easiest thing is like, yeah, I grew up in church all my life, was not a Christian. And then, yeah, the most radical identity shift was when I became a Christian mm-hmm. to the point where, and I may have shared this story before, but um, my dad was never home. And so I felt like really like, yeah, I felt, felt like I had no dad. And so my identity was wrapped in my family system, mm-hmm. right? Like, my well, my dad is this and, you know, and literally when I became a Christian, it was at at a, a lock a college lock-in we we're singing and this one song it was just i felt god kind of saying to me like oh, yeah i'm your father i'm your heavenly father and right there instantly like my whole identity shifted to the point where where my dad and i like always fought there and i was a bitter angry teenager like literally in, in an instant melted away i remember coming back home from college told my dad what happened and, uh, I mean, so that, that was a pretty radical shift in yeah. identity. Yeah. Mm. Last, uh, last one. Well, we've, we've touched on this work. Let, let, let's jump to well, uh, the thing I really want to get to, which is we life quakes. We're about to start the podcast. Everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so life quakes, these are like monster curveballs that have dropped in your life yeah. that just changes everything everything and again according to bruce filer he would say that only happens three to five times in your lifetime Mm. it's that big of a a shake up 
Um, and most of the time, it's involuntary. It, it happens to you, but it changes your perspective, your posture, your approach. It just changes everything. Yeah. Or I think, I think sometimes people will make a voluntary change and in doing so sort of release <laughs> a life quake that they yeah. didn't anticipate. Right. You know, again, think of the typical example we've said, like you move to a new city expecting it to be one thing and all of a sudden you find yourself just wrecked by whatever it is, lack of mm-hmm. community or a job that doesn't work out or whatever, you know? Um, so yeah, it can be instigated by mm-hmm. you, but eventually it's going to be out of your control. Yeah. So let me ask that. What comes to mind when you think of a life quake that you've gone through and what have you learned from that life quake? I mean, I've talked about it a ton, mm-hmm. but, um, but the illnesses of both my daughter when she was a year old and my son when he was diagnosed at 15, both of those um, have been the most sort of pivotal life quakes for me. Um, absolutely. I mean, they, they just, and I, 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 I shared this as well, but earlier this year when my son was really sick, February, March of this year were the worst months of my life. Like not exaggerating. It, it was awful. And th- there's just nothing was in my control. Nothing. Not my son, not the way I felt, not the way my wife felt, none of it. Um, so those have been the big ones for me, for sure. What do you feel like God did in and through that time or is still doing. Yeah. And I think I've shared this as well, but, um, my issue is always one of wanting to be in control. In fact, the, the main question that I ask myself whenever I'm feeling anxious is what am I trying to control that is actually outside of my control? And 99% of the time, that is where my, what my anxiety is rooted in. Mm. So for me, control is like, it's my issue. I remember saying to my therapist after like, we were in six months, I'm like, why do we keep coming back to the issue of control? And she was like, Nate, that's the nature of the beast, man. Control is everywhere in your life right now. Um, so in, in some ways learning that I wasn't in control is like, it's really good. I'm not as much as I would like to be. I'm absolutely not in control of what's happening inside my children's bodies. I'm not in control of it and acting like I am or thinking that I am or trying to be creates this enormously destructive, both external and internal cycle of the way that I feel and my relationship with them, all these things. So having that broken enormously positive, although really painful. Yeah. And hard. And when you said that, I was just thinking God is releasing your grip so you can embrace the non-linearity of life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because even when I think of like one of one of your sons who, because of some of his physical challenges, school has been kind of start and stop. And if you have this linear view of life, well, now I'm behind. I need to, or either he feels that or you feel that. And it affects the way you, you relate to each other, the way you parent. Instead, it's just an open handedness and an embracing of, you know, in more theological terms, God's sovereign hand and love and his uh, presence in your yeah. life. I mean, and I, I've probably shared this in a previous episode, but w- one of the ways that that came home to me was when my son Gabe told me that he, he was no longer going to be an engineer and he wanted to be an art major, like <laughs> huge, huge disruptor. Yeah. Right. And I, I was just thrilled for him because part of what he said to me is he was like, dad, I don't know how long I have. I don't know how long I have. And 
I'm not going to stay in a career or a program that I don't enjoy and doesn't feel life giving. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to really celebrate that choice. It's like, that, that is the right way to look at it right now. Only only if more people thought that way. I mean, really, we are not promised. We are not promised 80 years on the earth. We're just not. Um, and I think a lot of us do things, and this has been, again, th- learnings that through difficulty that I think God has taught me. A lot of us, like, spend our time doing things we don't want to do because we assume, oh, I will have time to do the things I want to do yeah. later. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that way anymore. Right. Yeah. I really mm-hmm. don't. And it's been hard, but that is, man, what a tremendous gift for him to teach me in that way. Um, so, yeah, I've been able to sort of be like, hey, man. Good luck making it as an artist, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but really just to celebrate the joy that he finds yeah. in his program and his, he has this enormous zest for learning and he's reading these books all the time. And so, and you were just out there not that long ago helping him with one yeah, of his man, projects and awesome. you just saw his joy coming uh, out yeah. of that. And, and I think, again, I think Nate of previous decades would have been like, what are you going to, how are you going to, you know get a job and how are you going to pay for a house and how are you going to support a family? And I just don't, I don't, ask those questions anymore yeah um i feel like for me it's harder because your long lived life yeah i know in my in my long life she's surfing the tsunami of life quakes (laughs) baby (laughs) she's like bring it (laughs) (laughs) she can't think of it because it's always positive i know well so so the one that came to mind when you were talking nate um well when you were first saying like you know um, people move and that's a, that's a conscious choice. That's a purposeful choice. And then, and then life quakes can happen out of that. I think about my time in New Mexico, which it is so easy for me to look back on my college years and be like, oh, all positive. God surrounded <laughs> time of me. my life. Yeah. Like surrounded me with godly community that like held me up through that. I was in my first community group, which is incredible and really discovered my calling, but also definitely, I mean, one of the most formative four years, I mean, well, four of the most formative years of my life, um, because of, of the life quake that happened from be because I was in, um, this, this culture and this, um, university culture that, that so disvalued women. Mm. Um, and, and really, you know, just the, the ways that that really just crushed, crushed my spirit. Um, I remember freshman year, you know, just like, which for people who know me, I, I just want to, I want to like dress up every single day. I want to look nice. I want to be wearing dresses or college shirts or whatever. That's like how, how I feel in my soul. Um, and I remember wearing like hoodies and sweats every day. Cause I was like, nobody noticed me. Um, and just feeling so, so crushed. Um, because of when people noticed me, it went poorly. Um, and, and mm. just like, yeah, just having to transition in and out of that, that feeling and that, um, yeah. And for people that aren't aware, you shared your story pretty extensively on yeah. yeah. earlier season of or of the podcast, which last it's, season, yeah. yeah, last it is it is definitely an, a, a story worth listening to. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you? Because when you say, did you feel like the university system was also devaluing of women, or was it more um, like because you talked yeah. about sort of your experiences on the streets of in New Mexico or whatever? But did you find that in the university setting as well? So, um, yeah, I guess uh, my senior year, we finally were, every student was required to have a, um, like workplace harassment or, or just like sexual harassment training, Hmm. series of trainings. Um, and I remember the first training I went to, 
um, one of the people was like, um, talking about how catcalling on the street, you know, can be a, a form of harassment. And literally the, the guys, the students were like, that's not harassment. They were shouting at the female instructor saying like, oh what are you talking about? Gosh. They were the entire seminar. They were, they were, um, arguing with her. They were, um, you know, like giving examples of sexual harassment that they were saying wasn't, um, and, and I remember, so the first one I went to, I was like, I don't even, I didn't, I don't even remember what I learned. I just remember just that reinforcement of, oh my gosh. this is the culture here. Yeah. So it wasn't until the second training I had to go to where, um, I remember there was this one point where one of the instructors was describing it and I looked over at my coworker and I was like, Serena, we could be, we should have reported this coworker that we had for sexually harassing us for like two years. Um, and it's just so embedded in, in the university culture. Wow. And it does something to women too. Yeah. When, when that's so embedded, they feel like, well, I'm to blame or it's not worthy to be yeah. reported or it shouldn't, it's not even really harassment. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, well this, you know, like our Dean saw that and didn't say anything. So why, you know, what, who are we going to tell? And I mean, so this was not very long ago. Like, that's the other thing. It's not like we're talking about, like, the 70s here. Yeah. Like, how long ago was that? Six years? I mean, this was, Three. this training was in 2018. Yeah, four yeah. years ago. Yeah. Man, um, do you guys hear, there's power tools going on. Can you guys hear that? Mm-hmm, I can. Yep. Okay. For sure. <laughs> in case you're wondering, that's not sung playing with the buttons. Yeah. It is, there is literally a power tool in the next room. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. So, even though, like, obviously going to school was sort of like your choice, Mm -hmm. there was this unexpected sort of circumstance that came out of that. Wow. Wow. How about you, Sung? Yeah. I mean, one life quake, and I've talked about this before too, right? Uh, That's why we need need a new co-host because our stories, you know, we just keep... I feel like I keep saying that. Like, ah, I've already said this. Ah, I've already said this. Yeah. But... um, 2014, I took a sabbatical, and uh, it was a four-month sabbatical. I I was burnt out to the point where I just did not enjoy ministry, or it was just, at the same time, there was a lot of unhealth behind it, right? Like this drivenness, and I did not value sleep. In fact, if I slept more than six hours, I got angry at myself. So really just an unhealthy place. And um, took that sabbatical, and I thought... Uh, you know, because back then, I, well, I still am, but uh, hopefully less so, I would get impatient, especially at my son, who was really young, and I just felt like, man, come on, let's go, Mike, let's go, go, go. Efficiency was a high value and pace, and he was just, you know, just took things a lot slower, took long, longer for him to process things. And I remember, like, okay, yeah, once I get out of this stressful situation of church and this and that, like, yeah, you know, um, the internal uh, struggles will be gone. And then, um, and and then at the end of the sabbatical, I realized, oh, yeah, there it is. They're still there. They're still there. And then, you know, it sounds so obvious, right? Like, of course, like wherever you go, there you are. But it hit at a level that shifted like so much in my life Mm. Uh, my outlook my approach now now it's the opposite if I get less than seven hours of sleep um, 
I'm upset at myself, right? Mm. Hopefully I get to a place where I'm not up, upset at myself. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's the real goal, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so that, that was a life quake in the sense of I thought I was entering it voluntarily. And, and what I learned was an involuntary like, oh, so it's not just the stressors on the outside that's making me angry. Yeah. It is me. Mm. The dirt is inside. Mm. And the circumstances are just shaking up the, you know, stirring the waters and the dirt stirs up, right? And so I think it's so easy for uh, in the in the in our spiritual lives just to think, and I hear this and, you know, I still say this at times, but it's like, oh, this caused me to react this way. Mm. That's not true, mm-hmm. right? And so that went from a head level to a heart level that yeah, was a pretty big spiritual life quake yeah. for me. So I want to come back to something, Christine, that you said earlier, um, where you said essentially that regardless of whether change is voluntary or involuntary, transition can look the same. Mm-hmm. Can you say a little bit more about that? Because th- that's part of what we're talking about here in that even given life quakes, there is the opportunity for positive transition. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, um, you know, I I guess... We're we're shift we're switching hats here, Nate, because I was actually thinking of it negatively. <laughs> oh, believe it or not, interesting. Where it's like you know, even in the positive positive uh, changes, can feel like a life quake level transition. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I think I mean both both are true, right? Where where you know big changes happen. Um, I I know for me like again New Mexico getting used to UNM and and that view of women and, and my role there. Um, there was like a level of that was not a transition I wanted to enter into. Um, definitely involuntary, but, um, I was able to process through it the way I would have a a positive change, which Mm was, um, what in this is true? What in this is lasting? And where do I need to go to get through this? And so that's, you know, when I, when I talk about my journey um, out of abuse, you know, part of that was identifying, like you said, like, where are we? Yeah. Where am I now? It's not someplace like I, if I'm called to, to serve God wholeheartedly, I can't do that right where I'm at emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what is for me, again, thinking about it like a liminal space, what is my next step toward, toward the, the light, mm-hmm. toward freedom? Um, when the reality can't be changed. I've committed to four years at UNM. Um, And so part of that was, you know, okay, well, does wearing sweats in a sweatshirt make a difference in how I'm treated? No. Okay, so I'm going to like, you know, be be the person that God created me to be. Yeah. Um, and and that's light and happy and wearing wearing sundresses, um, whether you like it or not. <laughs> um, and so you know, just yeah, really walking myself through that process. Yeah, yeah. I think two of the questions that I have tended to ask myself, voluntary or I've learned to ask myself. <clears throat> One is where is God in the midst of this? Mm-hmm. You know, that's the type of question that I think regardless of the type of change, it shifts your perspective. Mm -hmm. We can sometimes put too much expectation or too much hope in a positive circumstantial change. And like we've said, that's one, that's part of it, but that's not really what's happening inside of us. Mm -hmm. And so asking sort of God, where are you in the midst of this puts us looking at it from through, through a different filter. Yeah. 
um, that that lets us become more who we who we want to be. And then the other thing is, and I, I try to be careful with this one, but like, what should I be learning? Yeah. Whether it, what does God want me to learn or what do I just need to learn because it's time to put on my big boy pants or, you know, um, I try to be careful with that one because I don't want to turn every circumstance, right. every change into a life lesson. They're not mm-hmm. always right. But, yeah. um, but it can be a helpful one to sort of walk my way through the internal transition, um, in a way that fe- doesn't feel like just sort of at the mercy of whatever's happening inside me emotionally. Yeah, and I think the big change that happens there is you go from the being a passive victim of circumstance yes. to an active participant in what God is doing because yeah. you are a part of that. And you, part of that participation is responding to what God is doing. I totally love that perspective because imagine this, the, the power in saying not like these things are happening to me, but I actually do have the, the, the ability to participate. Mm -hmm. And there are, I mean, we can't control anything except for our response. Yeah. Yeah. That's literally the only thing that's inside our control. So sort of acknowledging that and owning that can, is one of the keys I think to making transitions work. Yeah. Good word song. Well, with that, man, Nate, Go back to digging a hole. Christine, go for a walk. I'm going home and taking a nap. Awesome. I was just going to say, Christine, when, when you were talking about how you like to dress up every day, I, I was thinking to myself, no one would believe what I am wearing. <laughs> I literally came in out of the field because I was running late and yeah. I am covered in dirt and grass. It's and true. I, I smell really bad. Thank you, guys for, <laughs> thank you guys for being with us. And thank you, dear listener, for joining us on another episode of... Rhythms of Grace, Shift Happens. Hope to see you next time.